Hello, everyone, and welcome to Going for the Green, the Daily Roto Fantasy PGA Show. We are covering, of course, the PGA Championship at Beth Page Black this week. I am Davis Maddock, joined by Colin Drew and special guest. We, we bring him in when there's a million dollars up top because uh, he actually knows how to win the stupid million dollars. Drew Dinkmeyer, here to celebrate a Sun Kang victory. Yeah, that's really the only reason I decided to come on. My boy Sung Kang, who I invested heavily in last year's uh, Daily Roto Internal season-long league, uh, which I believe I finished dead last in, in part thanks to Sung Kang, uh, gets, gets on the board this year with a, with a victory. Um, at what looks like, just based on looking at the scores last week, uh, looks like some sort of collegiate golf course that they were playing on. What? what, it, it, what is it, was a, it was a muni course, basically. Scramble. It was just like, yeah, like these, these guys just went out. There, there was not a single tree on the course. I think, Colin, maybe the weather picked up in the afternoon on Saturday and, fri- uh, Saturday and Friday, but these guys destroyed this course. Yeah, absolutely destroyed it. I mean, the scores were absolutely absurd. Like, the tilting thing was you had a couple really penalizing withdrawals from the event. Mark Leishman withdrew after lock, but pretty far in advance of his tee time. And so on a week where guys are putting up 100 points and you're taking it zero for four rounds, like that was just a recipe for disaster if you rostered him. Charles Howell withdrew midway through. There were two other with WDs in there. And then the birdies just everywhere. And like streaks and eagles, it was just – I've never seen DraftKings fantasy scoring like it. Um, I had some, some Sun King in, on DK, a little bit on FanDuel too, but it just wasn't enough because – you needed like all six guys to be going like a hundred plus fantasy points. And I don't know, man, it's hard to put any stock in those results leading to the PGA championship an event that should play much tougher. I, I don't know how you would go from playing an event like that where you can almost do whatever you want off the tee. Cause the fairways were so wide to having to get your act together for Beth page black. It'll be a really interesting challenge. It'll be really interesting to see how guys like Brooks Kepka kind of respond to that. My best, my best finishing points team was a Kang Leishman team, so Ooh. that that one that one didn't feel. I mean, it was still like the the optimizer sort of liked Kang, so it got like we got to overweight on him, but it it was pretty brutal just sifting through things on Sunday and on on cut sweats and realizing that that was uh, that was something that happened to me. It was pretty unfortunate. Yeah, we had a sub win twenty five k. I don't want to give him too much airtime though. No, no, we definitely, we definitely shouldn't give him any. So let's get into Beth Page Black. So normally, uh, 361 days a year, this course plays as a par 71. When they bring the PGA Tour pros, they shift it to a par 70. They make what is uh, a, a very difficult par five already. They turn it into a par four. Some quotes from the superintendent at the course. He said basically. You know, I, I would be picking guys who are accurate over guys who are long off the table. I believe his name is Andy Wilson. Uh, we have we have some people on the ground at Beth Page Black reporting on the rough in uh, in Subslack, Ruby. Yeah, it's good stuff. It's a fun event. Um, like you said, shortened it to par seventy or, or shortened the par. They didn't shorten the distance, so still almost seventy five hundred yards long, and that would make it one of the five longest courses on tour that they're going to play in terms of par adjusted distance. Kind of profiles like a Torrey Pine South um, as far as the the length and the setup and the distance if you're trying to look for a course that maybe you're more familiar with. They have played a few different PGA events at the, this course over the years, hosted the U.S. Open in 2002 and 2009, and hosted the Barclays slash Northern Trust Open in 2012 and 2016. Both of those events do have strokes gain data, so we do have a little bit to work with beyond just gazing at the leaderboards to try to figure out 
you know, what type of player profiles well for this course. Are you, are you looking uh, at accuracy or distance this week, Drew? Which, which thing do you think, hearing, hearing that this course is that long, but that the rough is that penal, what do you think you would actually prioritize? Because this is a, if you listen to any content this week, this is going to be the number one thing discussed. So we're not going to be left out of that conversation. <laughs> yeah, I think, um, you know, just looking at the scorecard alone, this, the distance really ju- does jump out at you. Torrey Pine South is an interesting comparison. Uh, both in terms of distance and in terms of expected difficulty. And so when I think of, you know, Torrey Pines, I, you know, I think distance certainly plays a role, but I think a lot of the players that do well, there are players that, you know, are a little bit better, uh, you know, ball strikers in terms of uh, strokes gained on kind of long approach shots and what's not. So I think that's kind of where I'd be my my focus on uh, this week. And I think I'd focus a little bit more on, uh, ball strikers and, and strokes gained approach than I would necessarily off the tee in the bombers. Um, there's a lot of correlation there in general often, but I think, you know, I'd probably look a little bit more towards, you know, some of the guys like, you know, Molinari, uh, Fleetwood, some of these guys who aren't necessarily the biggest bombers, but are, but are really, uh, strong iron players. I think that's where I'd be looking. Well, there are just a lot of like guys who, and, and not everyone's going to hit the fairway on every hole. Like you're going to have to make tough shots out of the rough. And there are a lot of guys who I trust more hitting from the rough 190 yards from the hole than I do other guys. Like there are certain guys who, if they miss the fairway off the tee, I'm just like, all right, well, you got to make a 13 footer for par or this is a bogey. So like, that's definitely something that I'm keeping in mind when working on my player pool this week. Sure. Sure. So going through some of the leaderboards from the four events that we've played in the past couple of decades, uh, the two of those uh, where we have strokes gain data from the past decade. So 2002, Tiger won this event over Sergio. Phil was one of the guys in the field who finished inside of the top 10 in that event. And then 2009, it was Lucas Glover with the win. Phil in second place, Tiger in sixth. And then he had Henrik Stenson, Sergio Garcia, Rory inside the top 10. Shows the longevity those guys' games have had. And then for the Barclays and Northern Trust in 2012, Nick Watney was the winner. Snedeker was in second. DJ and Garcia were in third. Rory McIlroy actually led the field in Tita Green that week, but putted terribly. And Shocking. 2016, <laughs> Rory was top 10 in Tita Green, but putted terribly. Bubba Watson has finished inside the top 10 both of those years in strokes gained Tita Green. So interesting profiles there as far as potentially tie-ins with Torrey or Riviera. Um, and then in 2016, Patrick Reed was the winner and he beat, you know, powerhouses like Sean O'Hare, Emiliano Grio. So I don't think it's a bomber's course. I don't think it really sets up like that. Obviously there's only a few guys who have even played this course three times, but it doesn't jump out and scream bombers to me. I, I don't, I would say in, in overall course fit, I would say I'm not going to penalize guys obviously who hit the ball far off the tee, but I probably implying. I'm probably going to give a little bit more of a penalty to guys who are not accurate. Like I still think bombers profile well here because in general bombers are the best golfers because they have the easier second shots, but like guys who are just like legitimately wild, uh, I'm probably going to penalize a little bit when I go through and do my player pool. When I say like when people talk about bombers, like, yeah, obviously if you can hit the ball insanely far and accurate, like John Rahm, Rory. (laughs) Yeah, you're just one of the best players in the world. Guys like J.B. Holmes, I'm not rushing out to roster. Yeah, we're talking about, we're talking about Keith Mitchell, J.B. Holmes, like style guys who have a lot of holes in their game, but still like push it. I mean, obviously I'm going to be playing Kayla Keith, but like J.B. Holmes would be a guy I'm, I'm not rushing to get in. Yeah. Um, Did you have any course history notes before we get into the player pool? 
Yeah, so there are only a few of those guys who have actually played the course three or more times, and then uh, there are a bunch of guys who have not played the course at all, but it is a course that has easy access, so it's not like going to the Masters where it's tough to get on beforehand, so if guys wanted to practice and prep and felt like it was important, sure, they could find their way to New York to play, but John Rahm, Xander Shifley, Tommy Fleetwood, Bryce DeChambeau, Patrick Cantlay, Cam Smith, Keith Mitchell, Matt Wallace, among those never to play the event. Data Golf also rolled out a sweet new course history tool where you can look at the predictive value of course history across um, any of the different courses on tour. And obviously with only four events here and only two in the past decade, it's one of the ones that has some of the lower um, you know, ratings as far as predictive elements. The best guys are barely getting a tenth of a stroke or not even getting a tenth of a stroke bump per round, half a stroke maybe at best over the course of an event. So um, probably a week where course history is overrated, but the tool in general is sweet to check it out. You can compare that to something like Augusta where it might be more than a stroke over the course of the event. And it's nice to kind of compare and contrast that and something to get another nice research tool out there with some good math behind it. So FanDuel is running the Tiger promo back. Yeah, that was awesome. Uh, I got involved last time. FanDuel was the only profitable website for me for the Masters. <laughs> I made some money and then I got full refunds. So I'll be I'll be firing 150 lineups in there for sure. Shout out to FanDuel for the Tiger promo. Do you I, do you fade Tiger in that spot, knowing that if Tiger wins, you're getting your entries for free anyway? Well, he's cheaper on FanDuel on DraftKings though. That's what makes it tough. Yeah, the pricing is softer, so you can fit like three or four of those guys in sometimes. Um, yeah, but but I guess my question is, does the promo impact your play at all? No. It, okay. it impacts like I'm more likely to fire 150 lottery right. tickets over there than DraftKings. But beyond that, no. Okay. I think, I mean, I, I would guess that if you ran the EV on it, though, it probably should have some sort of impact on your play. Like you calculate the EV of Tiger winning versus your potential ROI. I, I would imagine the actual like true value of it should impact your play. Well, the, que- the question is, does it impact your play? In ter- like, obviously, it impacts your play in terms of the, the tournament being more enticing and having a little bit of a reduced, uh, light, rake. reduced rake and, and lighter sight fee on it. But does it impact your player pool and your decisions? And, I mean, I think the ultimate the, – I agree with Colin. I think the ultimate answer is, is no. I think what should still impact your weighting and your exposure to Tiger is his projection and his, you know, his expected ownership. And so – I think you know that's a that's a separate conversation that's that's different from the promotion itself, and that's a conversation we have every week about these guys. And I think that would probably still impact, uh, be the primary motivator for your decision making in terms of uh, player pool and exposure. Agree well, with let, you there. Let's uh, let's get into it. DK by range, the uh, five most expensive golfers in the field: Tiger, DJ, Rory, Brooks, and JT. And just looking at Tiger being the most expensive guy, but being I don't know, what do you think Tiger is right now? Probably the eighth best golfer in the world, something like that. I, I can't really imagine a scenario where I am playing Tiger Woods at 20% ownership uh, in, in DraftKings.com contests. I think Tiger is like fringe top five for me. Um, I, it just depends. For, I think he'd be top five for me. It kind of depends how much stock he put into JT's injury and if he's healthy or not, if they're healthy for JT, um, but it doesn't seem like that's the case. I agree. It's, it's an overpriced situation for me on DraftKings. Um, I felt like it was that way for the masters still felt like it was the good, the good play. Um, but FanDuel pricing is a little softer. He's a little bit more affordable there. I think in MME, he gets into the conversation. Uh, I don't think Tiger is going to be heavily owned. I, 
it's oh, it'll be she definitely will be heavily you don't you don't think tiger woods after winning at the masters is going to be heavily owned i mean people told me that tiger woods was going to be heavily owned at the masters and it just didn't come to fruition i think it's a different pool of fantasy player these days than it might have been two years ago <sighs> And I don't know, because even even the data nerds who play PGA DFS like want to believe in Tiger too. Like that's another part of it. Is after seeing him win, I think even some of like the data skeptics have to be turned into it now. Yeah, I don't know. Um, it'll it'll be interesting to see. But my my guess would first of all, it's it's just hard in general for a guy who's that expensive to get, um, you know, too yeah. much ownership. Uh, and then I think that people in general are are not going to be as high on Tiger as. Um, as they would have a Rory. I think people prefer even, even the, the fanboys prefer Rory over Tiger. I, I also think that this is like a very sort of bad course fit for Tiger. He's not super accurate or super long off the tee anymore. He's gaining a ton of his strokes on approach, but I feel like if Ty, like, you know, 40 something year old Tiger hitting out of like deep rough, I just feel like it's not going to be a, like overall super great for him. I, I, I think DJ and Rory are like much better course fits. The thing that I'd say about Tiger is I often think Tiger is better suited and he is, he has commented on this, that he feels more comfortable on courses where par is a good score. Yeah. That, that's so, a good point. I mean, the, the challenge is I don't know if that has played out <laughs> in actuality um, because some of the tougher courses, you know, I know at the U S open last year, he kind of had a tough go of it. And I, I feel like he's been a little bit more prone to the big numbers um in this in this iteration of tiger woods than we've seen in the past and obviously he's not the player that was as dominant as he was um in his peak years but i'm interested to see how that kind of plays out for some of these top players because i think a lot of people tend to think of you know tiger um maybe dj as guys who are maybe better in kind of more modest scoring conditions and then guys like justin thomas and you know john rom um, as guys that are, you know, maybe more pedal to the metal type players. Colin, do you have any feel on how scoring environment would impact your distribution of players at the top? Uh, I think the the big thing for me, the scoring environment, and especially coming off last week, it was just it was so obvious with all the birdies out there that the finishing points, yeah, they they mattered because those guys were making birdies a bunch too. But the DraftKings scoring elements mattered so much last week. So you could have guys who are in thirtieth who were easily out, um, or yeah, outscoring guys who were in like 15th just because they connected streaks and things like that. Um, they removed one of the par fives and it was the par five that was eagle friendly. So there aren't that many eagles to be had. There aren't, if we're going to trust like the Northern Trust FedEx Cup playoff type formats have been played here. So that to me means that the finishing points matter more. And if it's a difficult scoring environment, that bumps that even more a bit. So I think that's more um, where I think about the how the difficulty impacts things and, you know, choosing between two guys that project similarly. Well, I, I mean, I think really the the biggest question that anyone has to answer if they're planning on doing a lot of MME is sort of what to do with Kepka because Kepka is the, you know, he's sort of tied amongst the betting favorites right now. The, the markets have all five of the guys at the top at like 10 to one to 12 to one. And Brooks is in there despite the, you know, just pure, uh, strokes gained, even field adjusted strokes gained data has him in another tier. And I, I mean, I tend to be more the pro Brooks Kepka view where I think that, uh, you know, some of, I, I do think I totally buy like the big game hunter thing with him. I really do. Like, I think his game is really well suited to the major championships. And I think that his game is always on for these things. And I, I don't care if that's an anti-data take, I'm going to stand by it. I, I was looking for the big Kang hunter on Sunday and he couldn't come home. <laughs> 
I mean, how much how much does he care about the Byron Nelson? Like, and it's not like Brooks played bad. He played well all four days. And sometimes sometimes you just can't match uh, a Kang sixty one. Yeah, I definitely like Brooks a tiny bit more than the projections as well. Maybe not enough to get him up there. Like, I'd rather get up to Rory for five hundred. Get up to DJ. Um, Those those are the two easy plays for me to try to fit in this week. Kepka is a little harder to kind of wrestle with. I don't think the ownership, it's early in the week, we don't have ownership projections out, but at the Masters and the Millie Maker, things got very distributed as far as the ownership yeah. above 8,500. I expect that to be pretty similar this week. So I think Kepka's ownership probably caps off around 20% if it gets there. I think JT would potentially be the guy who's lower owned, and, and that's just like a natural thing with the uncertainty for JT withdrawing from the Wells Fargo. Um, hasn't looked quite like himself since the wrist injury at Honda but he still was able to crack the top 15 at the Masters. It's not going to be enough at 10.1K top 15, but it's not like his results have been egregious. But And, yeah, I don't know. I think he'll be the lower owned of the, the five guys here. My my hottest take, I guess, would be that I think that I, I will almost certainly be underweight on Justin Rose. Like, I'm not going to X him or anything, but I feel like I, I think I feel better about playing Molinari on a place where par is a good score. And I like, like you mentioned, I think we both like Brooks a little bit more than the projections. And that's just going to naturally lead to less Justin Rose. That's, that's a pretty, that is definitely a hot take. Um, I, well, I, I'll say this out of everyone over $9,000, I expect Molinari to be the lowest owned by, by like a good bit. I, I think I feel pretty confident about that. That makes sense for, for the Millie maker, especially I can see that. Um, I, I prefer Rose pretty strongly between the two of them. Uh, I know the masters was, was extremely disappointing. He did rebound at Wells Fargo. Um, a lot of that was carried by the, the putter, but he was still gaining strokes off the tee and then approached that event. Well, this is a lesson I learned from Drew Dinkmeyer is that people just have such a visceral reaction to remembering Molinari duffed those shots into the water on Sunday. But if you told them at the start of the tournament, Molinari's going to finish fifth and he's going to outproduce his salary and you didn't even watch any of it, you'd be like, oh, that's a good result for him. But like stuff like that sort of hangs with people. And the, uh, I like, I, data golf is not super high on Molinari. Like our projections are not super high on Molinari. So I would assume a lot of other strokes gain models wouldn't be either. Yeah. So Drew, if um, if Brooks is the big game hunter, what does that make John Rom down here? Big game <laughs> tilter. Yeah, John Rom is. I think John Rom is the guy that you want to invest in because he's the guy that hasn't been winning, but has been constantly finishing in the top fifteen and top twenty, and just piling up good result after good result after good result, but nothing high end enough that people feel really tied to it. And I think his price tag you know, you could argue his price tag should be closer to the Brooks Kepka mm-hmm. range, um, the Justin Thomas range, and you're getting a, a heavy discount there. So I think Rom is is a guy to invest in. I think it'll be interesting to see how the narratives build around Rom with difficult courses, because I know that's something that often that's a big up. That's a big narrative, that's is that Rom's going to tilt it off if it's hard. That comes up in our in our Slack chat quite a bit. Um, but I mean, the, the dude is, has posted really, really consistent results of late. Um, he's eventually going to break through and win a couple majors. And uh, I see no reason that he couldn't contend in this one. So I think the price discount for him is, is really, really intriguing. I think he'd be one of my uh, primary targets in that 9,000 and above range. It's, it's sort of cr- Normally I have like very hard stances about wanting to fade guys who are expensive. Cause that's just like what I do. But the, the only guys I don't have a ton of interest in playing here are Rose Fowler and day 
but I like Fleetwood a lot. I like Xander a lot. I like Rom a lot. I like Molinari more than the market probably. So like, I, I, it's just sort of interesting. I, I don't know. Maybe I won't end up with a ton of Rory or DJ if that's sort of the way the projections end up leading my lineups. Yeah, it's definitely a stacked range. Um, you can try to poke holes in, in anybody, uh, really, but there, I think there's interesting elements, like you mentioned, to all those guys. They're close enough. I agree with Drew Rahm, um, leaps out as a really strong play. The, the other guys are all pretty close uh, as far as outright projections to me within a few percent of top 20 odds. Uh, I can let ownership kind of dictate some of that stuff. Um, I would also say if you feel like there's compelling course fit elements, maybe that's a range where there are some guys who at least are a little bit bipolar on course fit stuff. John Rahm, obviously very heavy off the tee as far as how he gains his approach. Seems like he should be able to do that this week, but if that doesn't come through, then that's going to play out differently than someone like Jason Day, who is very reliant on world-class short game. I, I think, uh, well, here, here, everyone get ready. Take your notes. This is where the Matic Mush comes. Xander Shifley wins the 2019 PGA Championship. And uh, I, I can't make a claim as bold as I did last week of trying to go 2X the field on guys. But I will, like, Xander is going to get a boost from me in the Daily Roto Optimizer, at least, like, two, like, at least plus two or three. I, I, I really like him this weekend. Uh, sort of, I guess sort of like Rom, like just investing in guys you think have the game to win a major championship. I really feel that about Xander, and I feel like this course is a pretty good fit for him overall. I like it. I mean, it's a it's a firm take. It's not too egregious. I do like one of the the things I like about Xander is just the ability to to gain strokes kind of in, everywhere. Everywhere, yeah, yeah. Um, all right, so this is the this is really messing with my head though. Bryson DeChambeau, five tournament wins over the last uh, 20 months on the PGA, or on, I guess he won a Euro Tour event too, so in the world. Uh, Bryson DeChambeau is priced at 8900 less expensive than Jason Day, $100 more than Tony Finau. Uh, someone's got to like talk me down from going like mega scientist overweight on Bryson. Drew, please try and talk me off this ledge. He's $8,900. I'm not going to talk you off or on the ledge. I just want to know where you are by the time Locke rolls around. Like, send out the bat signal on if you're all in on Bryson because we know how that how that worked last time. He's not the getting WGT. the lock button, but he could be. He could be at like 45 percent. Honestly, what, when it was, he was going to be able to calculate altitude <laughs> better than everybody else because of his math background. <laughs> <laughs> He was one of the worst plays at the entire WGC. Yeah, so T68. So he's still got to be an athlete. <laughs> so, so, uh, so while he didn't, he didn't, uh, he didn't fill out the the pen and paper test very well. If you are all in again, I need to know. Um, I do think the price tag is interesting given the high end finishes we've seen from Bryson, but the form has been, you know, kind of meh. He hasn't really had many top tens, top fifteens of late. And as a result, I think the price is pretty fair. I don't think it's, you know, super, super discounted. Um, I do think from a tournament perspective, and I primarily play GPPs at this point, um, he's the type of guy that has shown the really, really high-end ceiling um, in terms of competing for wins. So I think from a GPP perspective, we'll see where ownership comes in. And if that recent kind of string of map performances keeps it down, I will be very, very interested. Unless you have 100%, then I will be all off. All off? Well, here's the thing. It's right next to Finau, who's the mega chalk. Yeah, I I agree. I don't... Uh, mega shock like uh, the price seemed at least fair on Finau which whereas in the past it's felt like you're getting a big discount but 
I agree. I think that there are more attractive names just above that people can go to. And then they got Finau there dropping down to 8,500 to lock in Hideki Matsuyama in that TD Green game. Definitely going to be a really popular thing this week. Um, and then the AK range in general too. So uh, I agree. Uh, early would guess maybe 10% ownership for Bryson. Uh, yeah. 10 to 15%. And that's going to oh, be... Man. Guys, yeah. Just let me know your plan, Davis, because I want. Oh God, Bryson at ten percent is like very close to me. Just pressing the lock button and walking away and coming back on Sunday afternoon. But ten to thirteen, yeah. Um, I mean, no one's gonna play Spieth. Like, I just wish they'd price Spieth at like seventy three hundred to make it just just to test people. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, I, I I do not want that test. So I'm very happy to have Jordan Spieth at these price ranges. No, I mean you you price him you price him with Martin Keimer at 6900, and I still think you have a choice. That's how bad his game has been. I also think Kucher at 8700 is going to get like Kucher always game like he always gets owned. I, I, I he'll he'll be 13 percent or whatever probably. Yeah. Yeah, like it, uh, the way the pricing shook out at the Masters, um, obviously smaller field, so the guys will be lower owned just by default of that, yeah. but it'll be pretty distributed. You're not going to get any guys other than Spieth, perhaps at 5% ownership, maybe Patrick Reed slips down there, um, and but you're also not going to see guys at 30%. I don't think there's a yeah. mispricing that egregious. Uh, can't lay 8,200 lock 30, 35% of my player pool, probably just a snap because he's Patrick can't lay and he's 8,200 and, and I mean, can't lay will fit in the balance contrarian and in the top heavy lineups at that price tag. So feel feel pretty good about being in on can't lay. He's the guy that stands out to me as the one guy that could, could consume quite a bit of ownership there because that, because that like 8,000 to 8,400 range is always one that, as you mentioned, Davis can fit a lot of different build types and as a result, I think ownership uh, floods there a little bit. And then I think he's the best play of that group. And I think he's coming off of fairly rewarding finishes in big spots. You know, the Masters yeah. run over the weekend was incredible. Whether you played him in, you know, week-long golf or whether you were playing him in showdown weekend golf. I mean, he just – he ran up the scoreboard at the Masters um, and has, you know, two top tens in his last two times out. So I think Cantlay is going to be the most popular guy in the 8,000 range, which – you know, is, is, is something that we'll have to deal with because the data golf guys have always loved Cantlay. Um, I've always viewed him as an, an underrated player kind of in the same uh, ways that Paul Casey was for, you know, about a year, year and a half. And so I think, I think he's going to be projected as a great value. And I think he's going to be one of the higher owned guys uh, of this year. That makes a lot of sense. It fits the different roster builds too, just because you can you can pair him up with DJ as your second guy on the team, or Rory or Tiger, and you can still fit in you know four other pretty high quality golfers, or he can be the third guy on the balanced roster build, and you're looking pretty good there too. So definitely the range where ownership starts to funnel um, a little bit uh, with Cantlay there, and then as you kind of move through the Adam Scott, Mickelson, Bubba Watson range with Sergio and Henrik Stenson just below eight thousand dollars. That's going to be a popular place for ownership as well. I, I honestly, I got to say, seeing Bubba inside. I'm in. Top, I'm in on this take. I feel like Bubba, I feel like it's a Bubba course. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, and I mean, obviously, you can never control for like the tilt box potential with him, but I do agree. Like long off the tee, very good with his long irons, can play out of the rough, can scramble. Like I, I think it all sort of lines up for Bubba to sort of contend here. Seems to like the sight lines. Oh God! Fits his eye. Fits his eye. I don't know. I, I I don't think I've ever won money at a bubble course, so I really hope you guys are wrong. 
Well, I also, I have a, I have a theory. I have a theory on Bubba Watson and I would like for either one of you to shoot it down. So I think when they make these major championship courses and they make the alterations to make it more difficult for the professional golfers, I think there is an element of 98% of professional golfers are right-handed. So some of this stuff ends up playing a little bit easier for left-handed golfers because it's set up to be more difficult for right-handed golfers. Does anyone, does anyone care to combat this, not this no data take? Drew's Uh, rolling his eyes pretty good. I have, I have nothing to say. I don't know. I mean, there's, there could be something to that. Yeah, pre- Drew, I don't know if you can prove it wrong. I mean, I, 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 can't. <laughs> I think in general, like, so I think in general, the left-handed thing aside, I think in general courses are trying to be defensive in different ways. And one of the ways that the courses do that is to put in dog legs and places that are hard to fly the ball and things like that. And Bub is very creative, so he can mm-hmm. figure out different ways to approach the dog legs. And he loves to do that versus, you know, if a, course is dead straight with tree lines on both sides he's still trying to cut the ball up above the trees to get it into back into the middle of the fairway so i do think there's like something to to the way bubba would set up against these different courses um and i'll probably boost him a little bit uh, i think the baselines will have him as an okay value but i'll probably boost a little bit there I feel they like, have him as like a, they have him as like a very middling value i'm looking at it right now yeah i feel like phil will end up being a little bit um maybe have the course history bump. So he would be a, a guy that potentially I'd be looking to avoid. Uh, didn't seem like the course history was enough to get like, you know, above the projection that we have as a default. So real quick, before we move on from the 8k range, I just want people to know Patrick Cantlay in the data golf stuff basically rates out as the same play as Tiger Woods in terms of finishing position equity at like top 20. And he's higher than Jason day brooks xander all those guys like like data golf is ready for patrick cantlay to win this event basically is what i'm saying so that that's uh you know it feels it feels good to have at least one take on this show backed by data before before getting into course fit uh left-handed narratives (laughs) so the uh the sub 8k range i actually think sergio might be like just straight up my favorite play Overall, in terms of like price, finishing equity, like I, I think he's just such a good play here. So I think he's the most likely guy to be twenty percent owned. Yeah, he feels like the guy that is, yeah, that is going to be heavier owned of this range. And then I feel like there's a couple guys priced right around him that are the same exact player that you'll probably get for like half of the ownership. Um, I think Webb Simpson is one of those yeah, guys Webb. that never gets owned at these at these tournaments and he's you know he's he's been great for the last year and a half he's kind of figured out the putting thing um to be at least competent and then i think you know price right around him that's very similar i think Poulter is a guy that has uh garnered ownership but i think Poulter is a very similar player to sergio um and then louis uh the pyramid scheme very pyramid similar pyramid scheme I'll, I'll be paying into the pyramid scheme this week <laughs> very similar play uh to sergio overall in terms of um, you know, game style and price tag. And he usually comes in much lower owned as well. So I think this is an interesting week where there's Sergio feels a little bit underpriced for name value. And I think that will garner ownership. And obviously there's an element of the course history here as, you know, Colin had rolled through some of those older results that Sergio had actually done quite well here, but I don't see him as meaningfully different from a couple other plays that are priced around him. I think you can make the same case for Mark Leishman as well, who coming off the withdrawal, I'm sure we'll see much lower ownership. Yeah, he's going to be like 6%. Um, so I think there's actually pretty good pivots around 
Sergio. And usually it feels like at these, at these majors, it usually feels like there's one guy that stands out as underpriced and it's kind of hard to find yeah, the pivots around for two them. Years. Yeah. Well, it was a lot of times it was uh, Kucher. Kuch. Yeah. yeah. And, and Hideki. Yeah. And it was hard to find the pivots from these guys. And I, I feel like there's more options to pivot around the guys who look a little bit underpriced this week than in past majors. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's pretty fair. Maybe maybe instead of trying to get overweight, Sergio, I'll just match our ownership projection and just pay the rake for everybody on that one. Yeah, I've kind of talked about it a couple times, but instead of taking huge stands, some of these times I've just been balancing the ownership of the roster. So um, I try to avoid playing too much like Cantley and Sergio together, or if I'm going to play Sergio, then pair him up with some of the contrarian options above, like a, a Molinari type, and then um, kind of lean on some of those pivots, like you mentioned, whether it's going up to Bubba or down to, you know, Stenson or, or you know, Gary Woodland as um, for the, like the more popular builds that are starting out up top. So I, I agree with what you're saying. I think the Sergio jumped out as a potential ownership um funnel ian poulter was another guy that always seems to get steamed in yeah. ownership and cooch is a thousand dollars more so it feels like poulter is one of those names that people will potentially look to click in i did that last week for the byron nelson i, I ran 190 lineups and set the max ownership at 80 and i i don't recall go i mean i'm sure somewhere in there i was duped but none of like my lineups that were good or for contending for anything were duped so that was that was a it was a good first week for the experiment of setting the ownership constraint even lower yeah. Uh, the other thing, I don't know what to make of Leishman. Um, and I know obviously there's a lot of stuff going on as far as in the golf world now about injuries within golf and reporting and it kind of rears its head every time. I think we all wish there was uh, some type of, um, you know, improved reporting that we could have as far as injuries. And I know that like FanDuel has a data feed with some stuff. The fact that Leishman said he withdrew with a back injury to me, that's, it's more concerning than like Gary Woodland who his last WD, he said it was uh, with an illness. So like the back seems a little bit more. I mean, maybe Leishman just didn't want to play on a landfill for four days. Well, I mean, why would you show up to the event though? And then wait yeah. till the morning of to, to withdraw. He did it like four or five hours before the tea time. So seems like the situation where you would get to the course, realize you can't really go through everything that you wanted to. Um, and then there's, you know, obviously like, yeah, Afi Barnett came back last week and played insanely well but a, a ton of that I think he gained almost um, 13 strokes putting maybe even more so like I do think the injury impacted him more than the box score led on and I'm I'm a little gun shy on Leishman yeah. uh, other guys I like in this range I think if it does end up favoring guys who hit the ball a long way our guy Hao Tong 7500 uh, haven't even looked yet but I guarantee data golf has uh, a plus EV projection on him Thorbjorn Olsson, 7,300. Uh, Rafa Cabrera Bale feels quite cheap at 7,300. I feel like I feel like him being priced the same as Joel Dahman uh, probably probably makes him a pretty good play. Yeah, we we also skipped over Jason Kokrak, who I, I can't. I just like I can't get into the Kokrak wars. If he if he like T threes, PGA sub slack might have to get shut down. <laughs> that dude's been the opposite of the pyramid scheme. He's just been handing out money left and right. He, he's year. a slot machine. Yeah, he's just, I mean, that dude, it seems like every single week he is paying off his price tag in droves. 
and now he's he's one of the few guys that Colin had alluded to that in the short uh, time frame that we have here has good strokes gain tee to green mm-hmm. kind of history. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see if he if he piles up the ownership as well because he's been so profitable for so many players. If he does, I think I'm finally like potentially going to consider the X and full fade just because. For a while, he had like his tee to green metrics were so strong and he was lapping the field in a bunch of different categories. And over this last like six event run that he's been on, he he's still been gaining strokes tee to green, but like barely. And then he had three events where he just he covered it all up with like outlier putting performances. And so maybe this would be a week where if the ownership's there, I could just hit the X already. I mean, I, I, what, at what percentage would he have to be for you to X like 13? I, I haven't figured that out. I mean, for sure, twenty. I don't yeah, know. I would. I would guess it would be closer to twenty for Colin to X. I might just X. What about uh, in the list of guys that I mentioned? One guy I didn't mention around Sergio's price tag, but literally the exact same price tag. That's kind of a similar player, Henrik Stenson. It looks like the results have stabilized a little bit, but still nothing high end in terms of the results. Where are you guys yeah. at with Stenson? Oh yeah, Stenson's been great. He's been really good on approach. I'm I'm back to treat. I have been for the, like the last three events. Um, yeah. Back to treating him like Stenson, and even the Masters, he didn't do great, but he's never fared well there in the past. So I like Stenson. I like him as a pivot off of Sergio, and I expect he'll be at least five percent lower owned. Yeah. Uh, oh man, our favorite, our our favorite tilt box, Keegan Bradley, seventy two hundred. Pretty sure he'll rate out as a plus um, that, E value. That'll, that'll get it. me into tr- that'll get me into trouble for sure. I like, mean, imagine imagine watching Keegan just tilt off shots uh, like out of the rough at this course, or trying to scramble to save far, and, like make twelve footers. It's gonna be brutal. I think I think the thing that I've learned with Keegan is just never to invest in him at the waste management because he's super concerned about the Patriots. Uh, and getting to the Super Bowl party on time. Right. So, like, as long as I don't invest in Keegan when the Patriots have a big game, I feel like I've done okay. And that's really been my 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 uh, my mo with. Keegan. Well, they can't. I mean, the you might run. Is he a, is he just all Boston sports? Or, or yes, aren't, yeah. So now oh, that's true. Now so I got the Bruins, I gotta the look Bruins the, are in. The, yeah, I got to look at the Bruins playoff schedule now to evaluate. Uh, well, they they will probably have their game three or game four on Sunday, right, Colin? Um, can't play Keegs. We we've crossed Keegs oh, off based on the Boston Bruins. So hopefully they pull off the sweep and he's there. I don't know the the hockey games being at night. I think it's a little bit different there than Super Bowl and and TV twelve. So I don't. Keegan didn't play hockey the high school by me growing up. Uh, he did play golf. So there we go. I think I think Keegan's fine to play. I think he's a good value. It'll kind of come down to this is a range where I think the course fit comes interesting a little bit. Um, he's obviously elite tee to green, really struggles with a short green. Some of the other guys down there here are the opposite of that. Matthew Fitzpatrick, one of the guys that stands out to me. Um, if you're looking for somebody who, uh, definitely not the longest player, but somebody with a, a world-class short game at 7,100 that can, can make pars. Um, that's a guy like Matthew Fitzpatrick that I like. There are some guys down here who I really like and who I think if things sort of break right for them can contend, uh, Benny Ann, Vegas, um, uh, Berregard, uh, the the Danish wonder. I think all of these guys are like pretty strong plays. Uh, Thomas Peters will probably be in my player pool. Uh, once you get below seven thousand, though, overall, like it, it's kind of tough to find guys who are like eminently playable down there. Yeah, definitely for a major, it, it felt. I don't know if it's stronger pricing because it doesn't seem like that's necessarily the case, but um, it did feel like the like lack of field depth a little bit. Um, 
which I think in general will be another thing that leads to Tiger not carrying a lot of ownership this week. I think the balanced roster build is the most comfortable way to go, given the way that the cheaper end is pricing, and that makes it really hard to pay up for those premium guys, despite the fact that the finished position is going to matter a lot this week. One of the guys I really liked as a value play before he pulled out of the last week's tournament was Charles Howell III with the hip injury. So got to pay attention to news and see if he's going to tee it up this week. But he rates as a good value for us, but I'm not sure I can um, fully embrace it with off the WD. Yeah, I mean, I think I think that's fair. Uh, I, I will say this. I'm done with Luke Liss. I Did you guys know that Luke Liss was 34? This just got This just got presented to me as new information this week in Slack. I had no idea. I assumed he was like 25. I'm like, I'm like tilting. I've, I've devoted so many DFS lineups to Luke list. Now knowing he's just a 34 year old, he's never going to get any better. <laughs> yeah, I had it. I knew he was not 22, but I, I don't think I realized he was in his mid thirties. Um, but you don't need him to, to do too much this week, you know, make the cut, finish inside the top 30. That will probably be good enough at 6,800. There's not a lot of trustworthy names down here. Uh, I don't think there's, too many guys below 7,000 that you really feel comfortable. Um, is, is there a guy that in a single entry that you feel like really good about pulling the trigger on? I would play like Russell Knox probably in a single entry. I would feel like okay about that. Not that he's like good, but I think Russell Knox can make the cut. Maybe, maybe like, maybe if you're, if you're going on the uh, distance angle, Abraham answer though, he, Abraham answer like legit barely made the cut last week at, uh, at the, the, you know, the, the cow pasture they were playing in. Yeah. He was, he was preparing for the scoring environment. Practicing his parts. Yeah. He was, uh, I don't know. Uh, a lot of guys down here who are, who might like the data might suggest are playable are Euro tour guys where the samples are super small, like, uh, like Ross Fisher or whatever. What about a uh, red hot Scott Piercy? Yeah, I mean that's a crazy cheap price. Uh, you're you're getting the the Keegan esque Teeter Green and putting performances for a fraction of the price. Um, he seems like one of the guys that would fit the barbell approach pretty well. Yeah, I, I think I think Piercy he'll probably make my player pool almost for sure. Will Will Joaquin Neiman make anyone's player pool? What happened to that guy this year, man? No, yeah, Griff, Griff ruined him. I'll back in now. Yeah, he's just got he's got nothing left. Uh, maybe Surrey is playable. I don't, I don't know. That's that's about as low as I would get. I'll keep losing money on Daniel Berger. Yeah, HV three is sixty three hundred. I don't know. Like these are capable. P, like these are PGA Tour golfers. Like that. Like Harold Varner is the same price as John Daly. <laughs> that that is true. That is that's kind of crazy. Um, I, I mean, I played him, Harold Runner, some at the Wells. It, like the bottom of the field is definitely more talented here. Um, but I mean, he, he's a long player. I just think, I don't, I don't know whether it was the, like the local community pressure getting him to Wells Fargo, but in an interview going into that, he kind of talked about how his game felt like out of sorts. And then he backed it up by not playing particularly well. So um, it's going to be hard for me to play too much Runner. That price tag is really cheap. So maybe you sprinkle him in a little bit, but definitely not a core play. Yeah, I, I mean, I think I think all of that is fair. Do you guys see any bets that you really like this week? I I have a couple that I actually think are are pretty good. Let's hear them. Well, the first is if I if I'm gonna if I'm gonna tout X to win twenty five to one, got to take that number. Uh, can't lay at forty five to one on uh, on our partner 
FanDuel, and then Webb at 75 to 1 was another one that I thought was pretty good. And then obviously, I'll be betting guys, uh, you know, deeper down the card, but uh, would not would not recommend that for everyone who, you know, enjoys keeping their money in their own pocket and not giving it away. <laughs> yeah, maybe um, Jason Kokrak, 125 to 1, potentially you could throw it each way on him, even if you're not playing him in DFS because the ownership or whatever. Uh, it's still a really nice price for the data golf model. They would make him closer to to 90 to one. So I do think that's an interesting um, potential longer shot there. And then some of the other guys that um, is this have, number for Charles Howell, right on FanDuel 200. <laughs> I mean, yeah. you, I'll bet that just cause like, there's no way that can be the right number. I mean, dude, like can barely win on tour over the course <laughs> of a 20 year career. So like that narrative's tough. And then the injury and the hip injury throws like some wrench in it there. But Jimmy Walker won the PGA championship as like bad Jimmy Walker. who I mean, couldn't Luke, play. Lucas, Lucas Glover won here. And if you're looking for a, if you're yeah. looking for a, an excuse to bet Charles Howell the third, Lucas Glover winning a U.S. Open here is. Yeah. I would say, I'd say once again, Webb Simpson, 75 to one. Seems yeah. like a good number for a guy who is, who's contended consistently at high end events and, you know, one high-end events. Yeah, yeah I'll definitely. have a web ticket. One and done. Where are we going? Where we, you, uh, you guys finished what in the seg- seventh in the second segment? Yeah, seventh in the second segment. Used uh, Brooks last week, so that's why we were hoping him, hoping he wasn't going to get kanked. Um, <laughs> but that 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 entry is definitely still live overall. Uh, I think it's a week where probably use a top-end player. Um, and it, it's going to kind of depend on who you've got left available in the entries where we're kind of going for a segment three, then that's, that's definitely the type of entry where I'd consider burning it on someone like Tiger Woods, who uh, a lot of people who are up high on the leaderboard will have already used at the masters. So there's a little bit of natural separation there if you're trying to make up ground. Um, and then I think DJ and Rory are the two outright favorites. Um, but I believe we've already burnt both of those during their victories earlier this year. I think this is a good. Uh, I think this is a good Fleetwood spot if you've burnt a lot of top guys. I'll be using. Not, you're be, just not get. You're, you're not going to get a ton of PGA Tour events for that guy. He's mostly yeah. going to be in the majors and the WGCs and whatnot. So I think it's a. I think if you're looking a little bit more off the radar from the top end, kind of that second tier of guys, I think Fleetwood's a good name. I'm going Rory or DJ. Uh, I'm just, I'm attacking third segment. I'm getting rid of everyone who I have who's any good in, in these next uh, six who did, events. Well, who did you have last week? Did you get off to a good start in the third segment? I thought, uh, well, I, now I'll go figure it out. I thought I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> now I don't remember who I picked last week, honestly. Like if, if you had the old did not submit or withdraw or miscut, you might, you know, you might consider. I definitely submitted last week. Disengaging it's from the Hideki. all-in strategy. Hideki. I think that's a reasonable finish for last week's field yeah. for yeah. Uh, the other guys. Yeah. So Hideki, whatever, great. $68,000. Thanks for nothing, pal. Yeah. We're 79th overall right now, Drew. So we got it. Look at that. I, I appreciate you including the we on these things because I've had <laughs> literally nothing other than saying yes to Tiger at the Masters and then giving some terrible uh, Molinari decision when he miscut in in a weather aided or what i thought was a weather aided decision so, that the weather didn't help at all so davis and i are both big on dj or rory uh surprised davis wasn't going to go with xander potentially but i guess if I you're going believe all, i've believe i've already used xander yeah um and then down the board we got tommy fleetwood from drew 
Oh no, I haven't used Xander. So oh, yeah. there you go. There we go. I I will be. I just all we're all in. We're all in on X. So <laughs> I'm going. I'm going Xander this week. There when we go. Davis is all in on X, you know what to do. You know Hit what to X. do. <laughs> Hit the X. Should be a fun week, though. We'll have the PGA Pro tip up on Tuesday or Wednesday this week. We'll have the ownership projections. I'll be doing a show tomorrow morning with Pat Mayo and Gup from Gup's Corner. Should be a fun one as well. If you're looking to save 10% on our golf product, you can use the promo code FNTSY at dailyrodo.com slash premium.